0: Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk, I'm your host Tom Gerrard. Uh, this week I catch up with uh, Adelaide-based Australian artist, James Dodd. How you going?
1: G'day Tom, I'm good, man.
0: Yeah, long time no see. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, been, it's been good. I've um been watching you online recently and uh, just been loving what you're doing. I thought, oh man, I've got to catch up with James, and find out a bit more about what you've been up to.
1: Uh, thanks Tom, it's nice to hear from you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, um, I've started a few podcasts like this because I've interviewed so many people from a similar circles from years ago. But, like, yeah. we first met around Blender Studios, like back in yeah. 2004. Like, were, were, yeah. were you part of the studio? Were you just hanging around there like I was?
1: I was part of the studio. I had yeah. uh, been in the studios when Doyle first started those. Uh, I took a studio there when I first moved over from Adelaide. Um, I'd known Regan before. Yeah, uh, but certainly that was, well, the the centre of my getting to know people in Melbourne at that time.
0: Yeah, and um, like, what sort of work were you doing back then?
1: Lots of stencils, uh, very busy, paying lots of things on the street. And that um, whole movement, as we all know, was uh, had a really hot vibe then. And I was great to, was feeling really good to be part of the thick of that. And I was always mucking around mm-hmm. of, between things that could be on the street and then playing with things that also might be in galleries. I guess that, to generalize, those things have stayed the same a bit for me.
0: Yeah. So, um, like, as you saw everyone uh, sort of build up their, you know, sort of street art career, and, you know, as those guys you were sharing a studio with, like, you know, it eventually went on and became ever fresh and stuff. Did you, like, um, like, sort of look to carve your own path out, doing your own thing? Or was that around the time that you moved over
1: to Adelaide? Uh, no, I was definitely ken all that sort of stuff uh i guess i never really found my groove as far as painting big walls go maybe didn't feel like i had seen as many seen that as a pathway as much as what young artists might see it now and then i'd always i guess played pretty close to art history stuff inside of galleries and just ended up staying close to that really over time
0: yeah and like when did you decide to move over to adelaide were you, you originally from there or did, did yeah, you know, I'm originally
1: from Adelaide yeah so that when I met you in 2004 I'd only really been in Melbourne for a few years at that point and then um, in 2007 I moved back to Adelaide had the chance to do my master's study here uh, under a scholarship which is great and got lots of family here and um, now I've got my own little family here and so having that family support uh, is a good thing for me.
0: Yeah and what made what like um did you like want to take art and uh, like further it and you decide that art school was the way to do that?
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think that uh, studying in art school can be incredibly indulgent. Essentially, like if if you imagine the idea that you get paid to read and think and talk shit about art, I reckon that's pretty fabulous in the end. And uh, well, let's say I couldn't work out how to get paid to do it full time otherwise, so that yeah. a scholarship became a good deal. <laughs> yeah, and and
0: like since you are graduated, did you um, have you been living as an artist since then?
1: Yeah. Uh, more or less, certainly much more, I guess, in the last five years, living full time. Uh, I don't sell lots of art necessarily, but I make a living from my studies and my passion for art. You know, I'm often doing um, teaching workshops with communities. I do lots of mural painting uh, as a paid gig, Um, working with community groups and helping other people realize their um, images and artworks. And then alongside that, I'm always mucking around with the ideas that I think are interesting, interesting conceptually uh, and putting them in galleries and uh, occasionally get to sell some stuff as well Mm.
0: yeah because i was as i've been like looking into your artwork a lot more like i've just seen so many um you know different uh projects and styles that you've done like i really i really like the uh the new stuff you're doing where you're making machines to help make your
1: art um yeah can you can you tell me a bit more about that Yeah, sure. So the the longer version, or the slightly longer version is that I've always been interested in basic machines, bikes, really. I grew up on bikes, and then I've always had jobs in bike shops to support my art habit. And then for a period, got mucking around with people who made weird bikes and rode around in costumes and stuff, and always thought that was an alternative thing. And then for a while, started letting that come into my artwork and what I was showing in galleries, and it's sort of grown out of that. So the, the most recent work is this project called The Painting Mill. Uh, the mill being essentially anything that rotates uh, as a machine. And um, I've been making these machines that make paintings. And so that I think that even the machines are interesting as sculptures for me and as an artist to make them you know, creatively and really turned on. But then also the secondary part of making the paintings and um, having them as an object I'm interested in. And the thing that's grown a bit more than I didn't perhaps expect is that people seem to like watching me do it. Um, so that's cool.
0: Yeah, so these devices, they, they, like, make your paintings for you,
1: you know, in a, to an yeah, extent. Maybe, maybe, yeah. I mean, this but, is a, it's an interesting discussion. I think this is why people are engaged with it because yeah. it's not like a robot, and I'm not interested in making something that's pre-programmed, like a computer. Yeah. My favorite way of describing them is as mutant power tools. So they're just like an extension. They're like a drill, but a wacky art drill. And... Um,
0: a drill that's I like attached to, make... to a bike with a brush attached yeah. and this and
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And look, I like to make these uh, machines, which are they're quite like a contraption, you know, and mm. they're made of all these things that we know that might be found in a shed that are all cobbled together. And so that when uh, art audiences and viewers see them, they see all these bits that they're familiar with doing an unfamiliar thing. So I like that cobbling together of all sorts of things that we know to create something new.
0: Yeah, I was um, looking at the, the machines you've been making and I, I really felt that as well. It was like everything was familiar. Like, you know, a bit of a drill, a piece of a bike, you know, like buttons from a um, pinball machine. You know, things yeah. like, it wasn't like you custom made anything. You sort of you've pulled things apart and put them back together in, in a way that, um, you know, a machine that creates art. Yeah, and
1: like, um, I, made, I did make one really slick one, but it, I was satisfying to do a slick one, but it was really boring. You know, I didn't have all that. It's actually the process I pursue now to keep all of the aesthetic identity of the components that I use kind of is a bit harder. It's harder to make the things work or just it's totally wackier, but it's a conscious choice to do that. And I guess that comes from my experience. I grew up on a farm, and so my dad always had stuff pulled apart and back together again, and we we're always fixing stuff a little bit and not quite fixing stuff, and... I guess I've come full circle in my life to realise I'm I'm just doing that again now. Or but I'm really at ease with that. I like people who do things in their shed, and uh, I like the DIY culture and all those sorts of things that are around that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you you painted uh, live at Wonderwall's Festival in Adelaide, like with yeah. your um with your bike. Like what with your, what was that machine called? Like the one with the bike that goes cool. back and forth.
1: Yeah, it's called Painting Mill version three. Oh, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> can, to buy, maybe I'll describe it to uh, listeners, is that yeah. it has a bike on one end, which is a support. Like if you imagine a kind of gantry crane where you've got these two sides that go backwards and forwards and then hanging off the other end is this kind of rollerblade set of wheels. And then in between is this set of drills that drive a little head back and forth. And then in the head, you can put these brushes that I've made out of old painting brushes and weird stuff. And that sort of straddles a table and then I can move it around with a remote control so I don't have to be close to it. And in fact, I was busy chatting with lots of people as I was working and other viewers who were coming along often thought it was, it was traveling under its own steam. But yeah, it uses a remote control like you have for a plane or a helicopter. helicopter. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you sort of pull the paint on and then you drive it around and it makes all these swirly marks. And you know, I, know, I try and make it a bit more glamorous than that, but that's the basics.
0: Yeah, do do you get worried that the um, you're going to have any the machine's going to fail like if you're in front of an audience?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Yeah, <laughs> in fact, the Wonder Walls weekend in Port Adelaide was a test run, and um, I had preempted some bits we're going to get. You know, I knew that they weren't very good, and I did have to fix it on the fly. And lots of people would come up going, "Why isn't your machine working? I demand that your machine works." And I was like, "Look, sorry, it's um, you know, I'm fixing it. You know, look, check out this soldering." <laughs> Um, but it was a test run you know that machine I've shown it elsewhere it's actually in, in Sydney at the moment I'm about to go to Sydney to do some more uh work with it uh this week uh which is the middle of August and um the Wonderwalls was a test run for that so that um that was a sort of shakedown to test out all those bits so that I could be confident in it doing uh what I wanted to do now
0: yeah and with the uh with the paintings you actually make from them, do you, do you control it? Like, do you have a vision in mind when you're making those paintings or do you let the sort of, you go with the flow and you drive it and like what happens, happens. It comes out as more of an abstract painting than, um, than actually, say, you're trying to paint a uh, I don't know, a landscape or something with it, like yeah, a really rough they're, de-
1: they're definitely abstract. Um, yeah. But I guess the process is that um, the machine makes the marks that it makes and that with all of the working on it I'm testing out what they can be and then as I come to learn that stuff I'm then applying that in an instinctive way kind of going oh, I like this type of mark I'm going to try and get a bunch of them and put them over here you know what I mean yeah so it's back and forth it's certainly not representational you know it's never going to be making portraits or um, you know sometimes these things are a bit landscapey but you know in an abstract way so yeah it's quite abstract
0: yeah I really like the um the finished results though. they look
1: amazing yeah. thanks man and it's actually still um, the beginning of the curve for me like I guess there's been two ways I've been working with it there's one which is when it's on a weekend or an opening event where I'm working quite quickly and there's lots of people who want to chat and then I've only recently had a chance to work with the machine in the studio which is a whole different headspace that means I can get much more polished results or you know I'm focused a lot more on that and I'm only just starting to get a chance to do that now and I'm really stoked with, it, with where that's going
0: Yeah, because I uh did you do something in Melbourne with with one as well?
1: Yeah, last year I showed at Bus Projects, which is in Collingwood, uh, in October, and I had another version of it which I tested then as well. And that you know, I found out some stuff, and people were into that.
0: Yeah, so I saw um on your website, there were pictures of like um Ronan Ghost Patrol using it as well. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's right. So um, we all get along and get off on what each other does, and so one of the things I was curious with this machine is what happens when I invite other people to play with it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I can make it do lots of things, but I wanted to see what happens, when I let other people have a go, and that was really cool. They they did things I wouldn't have, which has informed other things I do now, and that um, I'm not precious about this being, you know, only my thing that only I'm allowed to do. You know, it is a, I'm a you know a bit of a hippie in that sharing sense that. <laughs> It's nice to um, collaborate, really.
0: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a firm believer of that. You always get more yeah. out of collaborating than you know playing your cards close to your chest.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, I mean, I think I do, and you know, then I work lots with community groups um, and in public spaces like that. I'm curious to test this machine, and then uh, doing workshops with kids, doing workshops with community groups, and so that um, even that moment to work, invite Rowan and David to work on it. I was sort of seeing what happens if I might take it further and, you know, put a group of say 10, 13 year old boys on it. What, you know, what they would destroy or what they would do, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. I saw uh, I saw a video on Instagram the other day where you had a, um, like, was it one of those self-drive vacuum cleaners with a pen? Yeah, Robo Vac,
1: yeah. oh, the popular brand is uh, Roomba
0: yeah that was um that was pretty cool do you, do you contain that and just let it draw like let it do its thing because i've never used one of those things like they do you just like turn it on and it just goes off and does it does its own thing
1: yeah yeah so i've made a little like a tray for it so i can't get out of the tray but then there's a big bit of paper that goes in the tray and it bounces around and does its drawings and once again that's sort of it's a fun thing that feeds into this broader discussion of you know how do we use robots as people and can robots or fancy machines also Make art, or can we watch them, and can that be art? And so that was a fun little idea to attach a couple of bits of charcoal or textures or whatever to this okay. Robo back.
0: Yeah. I
1: try and make some drawings, you know.
0: Yeah. Do you, Do you consider the um, you know, the machines you make as an art piece as well? Like it's all it's part of the finished finished work.
1: Yeah, that's right. So yeah. uh, when I started the project, I was really keen on like having in an exhibition on the opening night, not having any of the outcomes and kind of forcing the audience to look at the machine that i would made as a sculpture. Now I've sort of gotten over that and still do the performance part. But yeah, of course, like I think that the object, the action, the outcomes, they're all art in different ways. And I think that I feel happy in doing that sort of thing in that there are multiple entry points, depending on what sort of things your audience is into, because that can be so varied
0: yeah
1: yeah i agree like you've um hang on before i started making street art stuff and um that was before i would moved to melbourne and then went back to adelaide to do postgraduate study uh so a master's thing and i guess the bottom line is just keeping on making for anyone who's sort of listening from that point of view of wondering how you do it in that they want to do it themselves. I think you just gotta make stuff that you're keen on at the time. If you're starting to make shit that you don't believe in, then you're probably not doing the right thing. So that um, I have meandered a lot with what I've made because I kind of get bored easily. I can't really stick with one thing and do it over and over. Um, As is the case for many artists who get lots of success following that path. Um, I've just followed my path, which is to always uh, be curious excuse me, and then look for things that I'm interested in making. But, yeah, always trying to do shows, always trying to do different shows. For me, what's been important is not just showing in galleries. You know, the reason I became interested in street art and things that happen in public space is that I I would say that galleries are a bit problematic. You know, I think that it's too crazy to say that everyone who's into art should come into a gallery to look at it. I think that putting art in alternative places is much healthier as far as accessing a better audience and a, a broader audience. And so, whilst I don't really practice street art as much now, I'm still interested in trying to make things that might happen in public space and be able to be presented in things outside of a gallery. So those affinities are still very strong for me. Yeah,
0: and I've noticed that you are uh, with your solo shows. You really switch it up every time you have an exhibition. It's like you don't you don't have a um, an exhibition show, a body of work, and then go, all right, where do I go with this body of work for the next show? You sort of um, cut it off and start again with a different train of thought. Is is that fair in saying? Because I've I've only known from what I've seen.
1: Sure, Um, and maybe what happens is, because I do fewer less commercially oriented shows, is that often I'm doing these projects over a long period of time, like the painting mill and, you know, we were talking about the the Roomba thing and lots. I do lots of projects which are sort of related maybe over a couple of years and then closer to the end of that period, that all turns into perhaps a polished set of paintings or a polished set of commodifiable objects that you would put in a show. And usually by that time I'm pretty bored of it. Uh, yeah. I mean... <laughs> look there's been variations uh but yeah I, I guess i feel like when i'm working through ideas like for me the, the act of being an artist and being creative is one of discovery so that when i get to a point where i know the answer to the question i've been asking myself that's my end point you know what i mean yeah yeah i agree and that, i mean i'm interested in also it's interesting to look back after having being someone who has made stuff for 10 years or more to kind of look back a little bit and kind of go, what were the common things that occurred? And be able to have conversations like this with you where it's like, I can still say to people, yes, I'm interested in public space, yes, I love watching other people do graffiti and love what that stands for, things like rebellion and things like people doing stuff for themselves. So, I'm still close to that personally and um, conceptually, but I'm just translating it in different ways and trying to find my way to do that, that I believe in. Yeah. yeah that's good
0: so getting back to like um you know the galleries you've shown in like yeah like you've shown in some decent galleries around the place and and how do you go about getting your name like getting into those galleries and being able to show your artwork there
1: uh it varies a lot so that um in australia we have a system called artist run spaces or aris <clears throat> that most people are familiar with where um, where you kind of you pay to have a show or you know It's a not-for-profit model and that I've often done that. And during that process, you've got to write down your idea and say, I want to do this show It's going to be like this and other artists judge whether they think it's a good idea. So I've done lots of that stuff and then other people invite me to be part of things. Um, It's another smoky question, I guess, Tom. Although, excuse me, the only thing I'd say, right, and from that uh, organic meandering pathway, one thing that's always stayed true for me is that every gig you do leads to an opportunity that you couldn't have thought was possible before or something unexpected occurs. And that's been true for me so that I have followed my nose a lot, but that during that path, every time I do something, someone says, Oh, I like that thing you did. Do you want to come and do something like that over here? So I guess I've been lucky as well. Yeah. I feel like I haven't given you a straight answer. No,
0: no, no, it's all, it's all good. Like I, it's I, conversation, I yeah, well it's, it's, it's just life isn't it? It's like hard to um join a dots looking forward and then you look back and go, well I, I, you know I did this one thing and it led to that, and then that led to that, yeah. and then you know it bumped into so and so at the shop and yeah. through yeah. that conversation led to something else, and before you know it, you've got this uh you know this history of all this stuff that you've done,
1: yeah, well, I mean I guess maybe the baseline is that I have always taken it seriously in terms I've always intended to. Make a living as an artist, and so I've always looked for that stuff and worked hard, you know. Yeah. And and here we are.
0: Yeah. So when like with a lot of the things you do, you are thinking about your career, and um and when you paint, you, you know, I guess when you're working for yourself, you have to keep thinking like that anyway. You you're thinking about where's the next next money coming from, you know? Where's the yeah. you know, What's the next opportunity? Is this good for me? Is it bad for me? but it's hard when you get offered these like little things and you don't know if they're what they're going to lead to. You you know what I mean? It's like someone's like, Oh, you want to put a piece in a show? And it's like, Oh, it looks all right. But you don't know whether to say yes or no, but then you end up saying yes and doing it. And it leads to some massive thing that you could never have seen.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. I guess for me, I've always got, I generate more ideas than what I can ever make. So that if that little um, uh, invitation comes along, I'm always kind of going, Oh, what's that funny little idea I had that might fit with this show? Maybe I'll try it out mm. as part of this peripheral project, you know, and that's yeah. always been good for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was looking through all the, um, you know, the series of artworks you've been doing, not all of them because there was too many to actually go through in the short, short amount of time I had because this, uh, yeah. this podcast came around pretty quick from the initial conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, like, I really, uh, really like that Chat with Fred series that you did Oh yeah, yeah. I just,
1: yeah. I, I just look, look beautiful. Like, can you tell me a bit more hey. about that. Sure. So that was a project which um, sort of began last year. It's not. I wouldn't say it's a closed thing yet. Uh, and it comes out of heaps of stuff I've done over time. Where I've I always collect graffiti. Whenever I travel, I always look at graffiti. Um, and I've always liked scrawl and stuff that isn't from the New York tradition of writing your name. Just the things that people write like love letters or saying so-and-so is a dirty dog or whatever, you know, I love that sort of baseline graffiti. So I've always collected that and I've always done paintings where I use that to, as part of the composition, you know, maybe as part of a background or, you know, foreground and both really. And that in the end, I've been interested in this idea of collecting all that sort of material and then making a painting which might have some aesthetic landscape reference to that place that I've collected it from and to try and suggest that, that is a portrait of a place, or a fancy word is like uh, this idea of psychogeography, in that the, those bits of text can reflect a uh, psychological state or state of mind from that place. So that this uh, project, A Chat With Fred, was the same process of collecting lots of graffiti, but the journey that I went on was a trip in a tinny down the River Murray. So that there's this guy called Fred Williams, who's a famous landscape painter, Australian landscape painter and uh, he made this famous work that we have in South Australia he was commissioned to make it and as part of his original journey 30 or 40 years ago he traveled on a houseboat down the River Murray and made all these drawings and stuff and I've always been attracted to that there's these great photographs of Fred sitting on top of a houseboat with his easel painting outside you know it's super classic and I've always kind of connected with that uh, my proposition of this one of these small invitations like you mentioned before was like oh, I'd love to cruise down the Murray and make some paintings and like Fred did and you know I found someone to say yes to that and give me some money to do it um so the the paintings are these images which are like the Murray they're quite abstract landscapes and they're just bands of texture really in the end which is often the way that Fred Williams worked but they're embedded in all that texture are these bits of scrawl and text which are collected from that journey so that's what I like, and the colours are these sort of ochery colours, and then high-end fluorescent colours that I've used a lot of, and they kind of fall in between there. So uh, that resulted in a sort of an adventure and a bunch of paintings, and then I'm just sort of working on a bit of a stage two version of that. Hopefully, it will come soon.
0: Yeah, yeah, I really like the um the edgy look to the paintings because it had like a beautiful sort of sunset vibe, like, like um you know like lots of browns and you know sort of golden colours but then like with with the um you know with the writing it, was, it all looked like it was done with sharp objects you know like really yeah. like, scratchy it wasn't had had no like reference to spray paint or anything like that it was all you know get the you know wait your mate to fill up the yeah, petrol yeah. or whatever and scratch your name into the side of something and lots of like acdc and all that type of yeah. stuff you know
1: that's my favourite, you know that's the classic graffiti you know it doesn't it's yeah. and it's sort of without lots of the ego that we have with other subcultures. And so I love that stuff. And that that also that way of painting, I guess I've practiced a lot, this sort of imitating scratching. And so I've got this process kind of nutted out that I use a lot, which really does look very scratchy on the surface. Um, So that actually lots of the graffiti I collected was, you know, on metal surfaces that are painted then have been scratched back into. And that's what I try and recreate in the paintings. Okay.
0: So how'd you get the, um, like the writing onto the canvas? Did you do that yourself or like, you yeah. use like, scratching into the canvas yourself and reference no, a the
1: couple, There's colour tricks. There's colour tricks. So, I have all the photos which I reference, and then um, there's a, there's, my paintings are made in layers. And so, there's a base layer in a simple form. There's a one layer, and then I put on layers of latex, like liquid latex, and then that dries. And then I apply paint over the top and then remove the latex, and that tears the paint and reveals the colour underneath. And it essentially imitates that perfect scratchy look. Oh, great. Cool. Yeah. And then obviously that's the basic way I do it, but then I try and expand it. sometimes one layer of latex might move across four layers of paint or whatever so that the marks are going in and out and then I'm building my composition with that trick repeated. Ah, cool.
0: Do you, do you um, like work mostly with acrylics and stuff like that, or do you, do you like to mix up your mediums as much as your, uh, your subjects?
1: Uh, all acrylics for paintings just because it's more s- sustainable and I can mix all my colours. I use a gun a lot so there's lots of fades in my work and um, I'm usually finishing with a gloss oil-based uh, varnish so that they get a, a strong luster and a real depth to, to them.
0: Yeah. So getting back to like the process of your artwork, like you, you've yeah. got a lot of videos online like um like showing you working and showing the process of your artwork do you you like do you like to you know give out your secrets and show people how you're going about doing things
1: yeah 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 so yeah uh, you have to in the end like i can't pretend like i'm gonna be the one to make the idea you know yeah In the end um you know my ideas come about because i've seen so many other people do lots of stuff you know and that uh, it would be silly to think that i can never have one idea that is going to be my thing so the, the sharing is cool and that's as much how people connect these days people like that seeing stuff and sharing stuff that's that's what we have um, so that whilst I make a living as an artist that's not solely from selling stuff it's because I have I'm always putting my ideas out there and doing things like sharing videos so that um, whilst not only some money all the time I'm getting lots of invitations to be part of other projects because people who have uh, the ability to offer that, but maybe not money. You know, offer me that because I've seen things I do. So that it all feeds in back together, and I think we need to do it now. Yeah, yeah, you, know, you know, I enjoy it too. It's it's good fun.
0: Yeah, no, it's great. Like I was watching a few of your videos the other day. It's um, it's really. It's, I just I really like people um, you know, giving out their secrets and and just showing people how they do it. Like I've I've been surprised with the guests I've had on this uh, podcast and the amount of information that they've given out I'm thinking gee there's I know there's a lot of people who wouldn't do that but all these people yeah. who, who the, I've noticed the people who are the most generous with their their ideas and their artwork and how they go about doing it are usually the ones that have made the biggest name for themselves because they're not they're not caught up about you know holding themselves back with um you know keeping their processes a secret they're just like nah, here go do it you know because everybody, yeah. even if if you get a hundred people doing exactly the same thing, everyone's going to do it different anyway.
1: Yeah, and it leads to more opportunities and more things. And uh, well, yeah, I've been working on this project recently, which is like a sp- spinning around painting idea, but with aerosol cans. And a few people around me are like, "Oh, you got to paint it. You got to do this and that." It's like, no, that's not really the point. You know, it's like it's this funny thing. And sure. It's interesting, but, uh, you know, someone else will do something similar. There are, you know, lots of artists who do similar things, yeah. and this is just my contribution in that in our world, in the art world, I think it's a bit like uh, fine craft in that people who are genuinely interested in culture, they they know about the source of things, and that people who just imitate things never rise to the top because they don't have the real support from the people who know. Yeah.
0: Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. Yeah, Um, do you have any other other, um, up-and-coming projects that you're uh, excited about?
1: Uh, Yep. so we've got the painting wheels currently on show in Sydney at a place called Hazlehurst Regional uh, Gallery and Art Centre. That's until mid-September. I'll be there painting this weekend, flat out, which will be cool. And then um, trying to work on this stage two of a chat with Fred. it's this another mutant bike thing. It's a cross between a bicycle and a tinny, you know, like a, <laughs> a little paddle boat. <laughs> so I'm trying to get that project up and running. That's sort of happening. I'm working on some remote-controlled shopping trolleys, which are almost happening. And I'll get to do some travel, actually, uh, to the top end of Australia in September. So uh, I'm going to do some community projects on Croker Island, which is north of Darwin, and then out in a place called Nooka, which is uh, out of Catherine. Um, so I quite like that sort of work as well. So that's an adventure to go somewhere weird and then hang out with some kids and give them a chance to do something they've never done before and uh, have some fun painting big outside. Yeah, that's all good things for me.
0: Great. I might be in Darwin in September as well. We we'll go to uh, catch up for a beer. Oh, cool. What are your dates? Well, I don't, know. don't know yet. Right. <laughs> it's for an art festival. <laughs> it's for an art festival that hasn't been confirmed. So. Uh, all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, let me know, and uh, I don't know, have you ever crossed paths with Benzo? Do you know this guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, Benzo's in Darwin now, right? Yeah. Um, he's locked in. Um, and so one of the projects in Nooka I'll be painting with Benzo, he's coming out. We're gonna drive his full drive out. It's like a whole day's drive to get there. Um, but yeah, I'll be around, I'll be in and out of Darwin. So I sort of start September four, and then I've got two weeks. Oh mate, so yeah, I, I think that's when I'm meant to
0: be there. So yeah, that'll be good. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, I'll keep us in the loop. Is it a, a wall painting festival? Or?
0: Yeah, I, I can't dis- disclose too much at the moment because oh, nothing's been saying. confirmed. <laughs> well, this is not been confirmed, so I don't want to go um, oh, away. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, you know. I'll. Uh, but I'll talk to you about it later. But, yeah, um, yeah, cool. Yeah. But one of the, like, one of the things I wanted to ask you, though, is you've done so many, uh, like, different projects over the years. And, I'll, like, yeah. I was looking through your site the other day, but I'm in here in Bali and I haven't got good internet and... I uh, couldn't get through a lot of it. Like, have you got any, like, projects that you want to talk about that you uh, that we haven't brought up? Because there was just so much, so many different things to look at and I, um, and I just don't want to leave anything really important off there.
1: Uh, no, I guess, like, we talked a lot about the Painting Mill project and that's been ongoing for me for a little while and it keeps morphing into other things. Yeah. Um, so that's good to chat about. And I like that we've chatted about my relationship with street art and public painting and I know a large part of your audience – does connect with that sort of thing. Um, and I'm always playing with that stuff. Um, but, you know, that's all right. There's nothing missing, really. And that you know, I'm at ease with the conversations we've had that uh, that leads back to lots of other stuff that's there. Mm. Cool. And, uh, yeah, that's all I can think of for now. So, you know, <laughs> end up with a head, head full of stuff, you know. <laughs>
0: yeah. They <laughs> covered
1: they come and go. Multitasking is fast, mate. I can only access a little bit at a time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I need some time. I need some time in Bali, mate. I need to chill out a bit.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, love, I mean, the other thing, I've got a little young family now, and you know that's that's awesome. It's really cool, um, but keeps you busy, keeps on your toes. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I thought I'd um, I'd come to Bali and chill out, and I've, I've been working harder than ever. I tell you what, I'm doing. I'm doing a business course over here, an online one that I've been wanting to do for, for years. Right. And like, yeah, you know, it costs a lot of money and everything. And I kept trying to apply myself to do it. And um, yeah, came out here and I'm, I'm doing it here. And man, it's a lot of work. <laughs> I'm try, trying to have fun, you know. <laughs> but anyway, but I'm getting a lot of art done. That's the main thing. It's like I'm, it's like you know, out here being creative and and you know, growing that's it's all yeah, nice but anyway anyway back to you before we uh, before we wrap this up um, do you want to just um, tell us the best place to see your artwork online
1: uh, sure if you can just put, put my name into um, any given search engine you can look for James Dodd which is D-O-double-D uh, you can check me out on Instagram under Jimmy Dazzler which is Jimmy then D-A-double-Z-L-A that's it that'll do if you get that far yep no worries. Oh, you, can, you can search on Vimeo, that sort of shit.
0: Yeah. And there's plenty to go through, so uh, you won't be bored. You know. But anyway, thanks, James. Thanks for uh, taking the thanks, time Paul. to sit down and have a chat. I know you're a busy nice. man with lots of ideas in your head. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a real pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. I totally appreciate it, man. It's nice yeah. to catch up. <laughs> no worries.
0: I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. To find out more about today's guest, go to benchtalkpodcast.com. There you will find all previous episodes and images of the guest's artwork. Also, follow us on Instagram, Bench underscore Talk. There you can keep up to date with all things that are happening with the podcast. Bench Talk's also streaming on SoundCloud and Facebook. Just simply search for Bench Talk Podcast. Or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. While you're there, don't forget to rate and review. It helps get the word out. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to tell a friend. Thanks again for tuning in and stay tuned for next week's episode. Bye.